This is Dr. Benny Tate, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this week's message at Rock Springs Church. Wherever you are, I hope that this message encourages you and helps you grow in your walk with God. Here's this week's message from Rock Springs Church. We're going to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 6, verse 16. This is what God's Word says. It says, Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. I want to talk to you about why bad things happen to good people. Why bad things happen to good people. Chippy the parakeet never saw it coming. One second, he was peacefully perched in his cage, enjoying life. The next, he was sucked in, washed up, and blown over. His problem began when Chippy's owner decided to clean out the cage. She stuck the nozzle in to suck up the seeds and the feathers from the bottom of the cage. <laughs> then the foam rang. <laughs> she turned to pick it up and barely said hello when she heard swoop. <laughs> oh, Chippy got sucked in. She gasped, let the foam drop, and snapped off the vacuum. With her heart in her mouth, she unzipped the bag. <laughs> there was Chippy. Chippy was alive, but he was stunned. He was covered with heavy black dust. She grabbed him. She ran to the bathtub, <laughs> turned on the torrent water, ice cold, and power washed him. <laughs> so she then did what any compassionate owner would do. She snatched up the hairdryer, <laughs> and she gave him a, a dry when he was blasted wet. The little bird was shivering from the hot air. And then the story ends this way. You know, Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. <laughs> well, folks, we've all had days like Chippy had, amen? I want to ask you a question. This is not a loaded question. I want to ask you a question just out of curiosity. How many of you listening to me right now, just curiosity, were born of woman? <laughs> you were too. Yeah, go ahead. Yes, you were too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, you, yeah. Yes, you were. Yes, you were. Yes, okay, okay. Here's what I want you to understand. So now that we've settled that, do you know what the Bible says in Job 14 and 1? It says, man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. That means, folks, in life, there are going to be some bad things happen. I know you turn on the TV and you get the happy clapping network where everything's peaches and cream, but that's just not true. In life, there are going to be some tough things happen. This week, for several reasons, was a pretty tough week on me. I've had some surgery this week. Uh, I've had some other things happen. This week's been a 
pretty tough week. It, it started out pretty tough. I had to preach a funeral of a lady who died of cancer, 44 years old. Not, notice I said cancer, cancer. 44 years old, but I can't get over the little 10-year-old girl on the front row. Can't get over that little old fifth-grade girl caressing that little old girl and saying to her, I'm so sorry. I can't get over that 17-year-old daughter. I can't get over that husband. I've had, had a difficult time with it. Why, why do bad things happen to good people? Why, why do you do the right thing but your mate walks out? Why, why do you do the right thing yet you lose your job? Why do you do the proper thing yet your friend betrays you? Why, 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 do you do, why do you try to please God but yet everybody else can have children but you seemingly can't have children? Why do you try to please God but you get the cancer diagnosis? Why do you try to please God but it's your loved one that gets sick? Why do you try to please God? Why do you even in church... You're in church. But you say, Pastor, I got hurt in church. I got hurt with Christian people. You remember Jesus said one time, they asked him, said, where did you get those wounds? And he said, in the house of my friends. In the house of my friends. Well, why do bad things happen to good people? Now, listen. If you're in a hurry, you're not going to get anything out of this message. But if you'll be still and know that he's God, and you'll let me take you through the Word of God, I'll promise you it will all make sense when we're wrapping up. Let me give you the background. It's 586 B.C. A Babylonian king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon conquers Jerusalem. He takes control of the holy city, but he does something. He notices the real bright, intelligent young men in Jerusalem. And he takes them 1,000 miles back to Babylon because he wants to incorporate the Babylonian culture into them. It's a three-year training. He takes Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel back to Babylon. Now, look, these are godly young men. They're as godly as can be. They purposed in their hearts they wouldn't defile themselves. He changes them. He tries to. He takes them back to Babylon, and he changes their names, but he can't change their nurture. <laughs> he changes their location, but he can't change their Lord. He changes their home, but he can't change their hearts. <laughs> he changes their address, <laughs> but he can't change their actions. They purposed, we're going to do What's right? And even in Babylon, they live for God. I want you to understand something. No matter what your situation, you can live for God. You can live for God on the doorsteps of hell if you want to. 
no matter what your situation, you can live for God. I want you to understand something also. Daniel gets 80 years old. He's been in Babylonian captivity since he was a teenager. Here's the message. The devil is never going to back up on you. The devil is never going to back off. 80 years old and the enemy's still fighting. Now get this. At this time, the Medes and the Persians had conquered Babylon. And Daniel was one of the leaders in the Medo-Persian government. But other men in the government got jealous of him. Jealousy is a terrible thing. Let me tell you something, church. Here's what I've learned. I've, I've been trying to live for God for almost 40 years. Let me tell you what I've learned about church people. We weep pretty well together. Oh, I'm sorry, Benny, your mom died. I'm sorry your house burnt down. I'm sorry you got cancer. We weep pretty well together, but we don't rejoice well together. We don't rejoice well together. Many times we have a real problem celebrating somebody else. Amen, Benny! <laughs> Many times we have a problem celebrating another ministry or celebrating another church or celebrating another preacher or celebrating somebody else, another singer. We weep we pretty well together. But we don't rejoice too well together. Come on, get real. Mention Benny Tate's name. You better pucker a duck. <laughs> and they couldn't find any fault with Daniel. And finally they said, we find fault with his God. Because I'll tell you what Daniel does. He heard Solomon say when he dedicated the temple to pray three times toward Jerusalem. A day when Solomon dedicated the temple three times, First Kings eight and forty four, he he prayed toward Jerusalem, and he said Daniel's doing that, and they said King, build a statue to yourself, and demand that people only pray to you, or that statue, and if anybody does not do it for thirty days. They're thrown into a den of lions. Daniel heard about it, and he kept on praying. Daniel heard about it, and he kept on praying. Get this closely. What happened to Daniel? He ended up in a den of lions. Here's all I want you to see. Not because he did anything wrong but because he did everything right. Let me tell you something, folks. Sometimes you can do everything right and everything pleasing to God and hardships will still come to your life. Sometimes you can do everything proper and you'll still go through difficult, difficult times. Why do bad things happen to good people, Pastor? Let me give you... Three reasons why bad things 
happen to good people. Number one, to encourage the saint. To encourage the saint. You said, now wait. You said, Pastor, it's bad, but it's going to encourage me? Yes, it will. And let me explain why. Even though it's bad, it can encourage you. Three quick reasons. You say, but you don't understand, Pastor Benny. Right now, it's somewhere between bad and terrible. Okay, wait. First of all, when you're going through a bad time, it can reveal God's person. It can reveal God's person. You know, there was a family in our church. They had a little boy, just a young boy, two or three years old. I visited, visited him in the hospital, and he died. And I went to those, grandpa that, those grandparents' home, and the husband was outside. Grandfather was outside. I'll never forget this if I live to be 100. He said, you know, Brother Benny, marriage is wonderful. But he said, you know, many times we think about marriage in a celebratory way. But he said, you know, I believe the real reason for marriage is for the hardships. Because during the hardships, we lean on our mate. And we desperately need our mates during the hardships. And I thought, that's so true. But folks, the same thing is true with the Lord. Look what the Bible says in Philippians 3 and 10. That I may know him. Somebody said, Pastor, I want to know him. Well, look here. You're going to know him through the fellowship of his sufferings. Somebody said, I want to know God in a deep way. You can't know God in a deep way and not have suffering in your life. Because God will be more real to you in the hard times than he ever will be in the good times. One of my favorite verses is Psalms 46 and 1. God is our refuge and our strength, our very present help in the time of trouble. This is all I want to ask you. How can he be your refuge and strength if you never have trouble? How can he be your refuge and strength if you never have trouble? Psalms 34 and 8 says he's near. Psalms 34, 18, he's near to the brokenhearted. Let me tell you what. The hardships of life will teach us the realness of God if we'll just allow him, allow it to. I found him blooming <laughs> where heartaches abundantly reign. Who would have dreamed so much joy and so much pain? It's good on the mountain, but they come and they go. But down in the valley, there's always a rose. And I want you to know something. The hardships have revealed who God is to me more than ever the good times of life. Let me tell you something else. Not only does it reveal God's person, but it refines God's people. 
Somebody said a clay pot sitting in the sun will always be a clay pot. It has to go through the white heat of the furnace to become porcelain. You want to be a clay pot? Just sit in the sun. But if you want to become porcelain, you're going to have to go through some heat. You're going to have to go through some hardship. You're going to have to go through some trials. You know, I, I, thought, about, I thought about Daniel. They said, Daniel, stop praying. Daniel just kept on praying. Just kept on praying. Just kept on praying. And later in Daniel's life, in Daniel chapter 10, he had a situation. And the Bible says that he started praying. And for 21 days, he prayed and fasted about it. Get this. Somebody said, Pastor, you just pray one time and leave it there. I've got a Greek word for that, baloney. He just kept on praying. And later, in Daniel 10, 12, and 13, God said, Daniel, I want you to know something. I heard you the first time you prayed. But there was a warfare going on in the heavens. By the way, there's a warfare going on right now. There's a warfare going on right now. There's a warfare, warfare going on in the heavens. The angelic host was battling the demonic host, and you're able to get your answer because for 21 days, you just kept on praying. For 21 days, you didn't give up. Oh, folks, don't give up. Just keep on praying. Just keep trusting God. Just keep bombarding heaven. Let me tell you something. We go through hardships, and it reveals God's person. It refines, God it refines God's people. I walked a mile with pleasure. She chatted all the way, but left me none the wiser for all that she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow. Not a word said she, but oh, the wiser I was when sorrow walked with me. I'll tell you the third thing it will do. It will release God's peace. It will release God's peace. Let me tell you something. In John 16 and 33, you can be walking through hell, folks, and God can give you a peace that the world can't explain. God can give you a peace that the world can't take from you because the world didn't give it to you. God can give you a peace that nobody, that nobody can take away. Say, Pastor, why do good things, why do bad things happen to good people? I'll tell you why. Because God's trying to show himself to you. He wants to encourage the saint. He wants to encourage you. Let me tell you the second reason why. He wants to enlighten the sinner. He wants to enlighten the sinner. You say, Pastor, kind of expound on that a little bit. I'll be glad to. Daniel was put in the lion's den. <laughs> in Daniel 6 and 17. And you know what they did? Right over the top of that den, they put a big, big stone to keep him in. <laughs> that stone never has worked. Amen? 
<laughs> I mean, get real. That, that, that stone stuff never has worked. Jesus came up out of the tomb. Somebody said, Brother Benny, they had to roll that stone away so Jesus could get out. Why, baloney. That, Jesus walked through that stone. Jesus walked through that stone. Jesus walked through that stone. They put that big stone, and that king, he tried to go to sleep, but he couldn't sleep. Now, Daniel, <laughs> Daniel was just sleeping like a baby. Daniel, now I don't know, you know, people who say sleep like a baby never had a baby. Amen? <laughs> Somebody asked me the other night, they said, Brother Benny, how'd you do? I said, I slept like a baby. Slept two hours, cried two hours. Slept two hours, <laughs> cried two hours. <laughs> the next morning, that old king gets up. He says, Daniel. He said, I wonder if those lines ate old Daniel up. Daniel. Daniel said, oh, king, live forever. And that king said, wait. There's no God like Daniel's God. <laughs> that old king said, let me tell you, Daniel's God is the living God. <laughs> that king said, there's, there's no God like Daniel's God. Get this. Daniel didn't like the lion's den, but he took the lion's den for the pagan king to see God. I wonder how many times we're walking through hell and we're wondering what's going on and God's saying, just keep walking. Just keep praising me. Just keep praising me. Just keep lifting your hands. Just keep praising me because I've got all kind of people that are watching you. I've got all kind of people that are watching you and they're looking to see the life that you're living when you're walking through hell. One of my favorite preachers is a man named Tony Evans. Tony Evans said that uh, when he was 10 years old, he said, my daddy got saved. And he said, his testimony, he said, my mother disliked my daddy before he got saved, and my mother hated my daddy after he got saved. And she done everything to make life miserable on my daddy. She berated my daddy. She humiliated my daddy. She mocked my daddy. She done everything to discourage my daddy. And he said, late one night, my dad would always read his Bible. My dad would always pray. Went through all this hell. But my daddy stayed there for Jesus. And one night about 2 or 3 in the morning, mama came down the steps and said, there was daddy on his knees reading his Bible. And she said to him, I don't know what you've got, but I want it. I don't know what you've got, but I want it. And he said, my daddy, my daddy led my mama to Christ. And, and he said, then my mama turned around and led me to Christ, led my two brothers to Christ, and led my sister to Christ. All I'm trying to say, folks, Many times we go through things, but people are watching, 
And they're not watching us in the good times. They're watching us in the adverse times. They're watching us in the difficult times. Just say, let me tell you, you know what we got to say? Let me say, no matter what, I'm living for Jesus. So why do bad things happen to good people? To encourage the saint, to enlighten the sinner, and lastly, I'm, I'm almost done to exalt the Savior. Here's what I want you to see. This is the most important point. You were created to glorify God. No, no, no. No other reason. You said, wait, wait, no, 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 no. You said, well, I went to the ball game and I'm buying this house and I think I'm going to get this job. Well, oh, oh, that's wonderful. But let me tell you something. You're only here to glorify God. You say, but pastor, you don't understand. I'm a, I'm a maintenance worker, yes, and you're to glorify God on that job. I'm a nurse, and you're to glorify God on that job. I'm a teacher, and you're to glorify God on that job. I work in a restaurant. I cook, and you're to glorify God while you're flipping those hamburgers. That's why we're here. And, and, and let, me, let, me make a, make, let me make a question. God will share his anointing. He will share his power, but he's not sharing his glory with anybody. God will share his anointing. He will share his power, but he will not share his glory with anything or anybody. That's why John the Baptist said, I must decrease so he can increase. Our attitude ought to be constantly, decrease me, decrease me, decrease me, decrease me, decrease me. They didn't recognize me. You got the wrong attitude. Decrease me that he might increase. There was a man in the Bible, greatest Christian ever to live was Paul. He had this thorn in the flesh. He had this thorn in the flesh, and I don't know what it was. I really don't. I've had people say they knew. One guy, Troop, was preaching. He said, Paul was married. He said the thorn was his mother-in-law. And there's no biblical record that Paul was married. Peter was married. Peter was. You say, how do you know that? Because Jesus healed his mother-in-law. I've always felt like that's why he denied the Lord. I don't know why I share those jokes. I had to... Had the greatest mother-in-law a person could ever have. She's in heaven right now. Greatest mother-in-law a person could ever have. As godly a lady as I ever met in my life was my mother-in-law. I don't know why I share those jokes. Somebody said, I, I can't believe all he says. Gosh, if you only knew what I keep inside. <laughs> if you only knew. But this man was the best Christian ever lived. And he said, I asked the Lord three times, take away the thorn. You know what God said? He said, no. My grace is sufficient for my strength's made perfect in weakness. I, there's been a lot of things I've asked God. I wish you'd take that away, God. I wish you'd do that. Perhaps God can get more glory by not taking it away. But we're here to exalt the Savior. All I want you to see about your life, and I'm trying to wrap up, all I want you to see about your life is it's about exalting Jesus. 
You say, I don't really know what my purpose is. I can really help you. It's to exalt Jesus. It's just to exalt him. It's, to, it's just, I, 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 I went to Cotton Ross years ago when I said, Cotton, my family's so dysfunctional. But I'm supposed to preach. And I said, Cotton, I don't want to preach. I'd run and hide under the bed when company came. I don't want to preach. I said, Cotton, I can't do it. He said, yes, you can. I said, how'd I do it, Cotton? He said, just beat that book and brag on Jesus. Just beat that book and brag on Jesus. Just exalt Jesus. That's why church, folks, I, church ought to be about exalting Jesus. Ought to be about lifting Jesus up. Ought to be about praising Jesus. No, I'm not, I'm not here to entertain you. Our worship team, they do a good job. They're not here to perform. They're here to lead you into the presence of Jesus. That's what we do week in, week out. Lead you into the presence of Jesus. Let me tell you, this is where I'm at. This is the story I close with. 150 years ago, the American Mission Board sent a missionary family to Assam, India. Now, that Assam, India means nothing to you, but that was a region that had primitive headhunters. And they send this man and his wife and two sons there. And they go there and they start working in Assam, India. And they reach some of those villagers for Christ. And the chief gets upset. And the chief is angry. And he says to that man, that missionary, you denounce your faith or face execution. True story, folks. On that spot, he instantly composed a psalm. That spot, he instantly composed a psalm. This was the psalm. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. When he said those words, the chief ordered arrows shot into his son's chest. While those sons were twitching, dying on the ground, that chief said to that man, will you deny your faith now? And he said, though no one joins me, still I will follow. Though no one joins me, I still will follow. No turning back. No turning back. That chief ordered his wife shot. And looking at a dead wife and two dead sons, that man said, the cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me.
No turning back. No turning back. The chief then ordered that man killed. And as they lie there on the ground, that chief said, Why would a man give his wife, his sons, and his life for a man who lived 2,000 years ago? He said, I want that faith. He knelt down and he prayed. And he got up and he looked at those villagers and said, I have decided to follow Jesus. And the whole village made the very same decision. You know what you need to do today? Some of you need to say, listen, I'm going to lay some junk down. I'm going to put some junk down, and I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Because look, look, I'm almost 56 years old. And education is just a progressive discovery of how ignorant we really are. But you hear the 56-year-old man. You hear the 56-year-old man who's been a lot of places and done a lot of things. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. I have decided I'm going to follow Jesus. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin and I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know This decision is not based on how you feel right now because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations 
on the greatest decision you'll ever make. And thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.